Thank you for listening to sermons by Chaplain Braswell. This ministry desires to help people know and live for Christ through the preaching of God's Word. And now, today's message. I had Aubrey uh, read Jesus' prayer um, this morning, and that, that prayer is out of, is out of uh, John 17, right? And uh, I think that's right. We'll check my notes. That prayer of John 17. Did you catch the last line? That the world may know. That the world may know. As we go through this series, in this sermon series, there's something that we as a pastoral staff have discovered and kind of walked through. As you talk about, you know, and it's funny, as preachers, when we prepare a sermon, we've got to kind of live through that sermon that week or those two weeks that we're in preparation. And all of a sudden, the Lord starts bringing some things to surface in our own lives, and we've got to, got to work through uh, not, not come up here and, and to preach a sermon like, hey, we got it all together. Uh, well, let me be clear. We don't have it together. Let me be clear. We, we, we are, are, are broken men and women of God who are striving to, to serve the Lord Almighty with, with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and love our neighbor as ourselves. We, we are striving to, 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 to know the Lord better each and every day. And when you do that, when you get closer and closer to the Lord, I, I heard a, an old theologian say, hey, when, when you, you know, a young man asked him, said, said, you know, I think it was Moody, said, you've been walking with the Lord you know, for, for 60 years. Do you, do you find like that you, did you, sin, that you got closer and closer to God over the 60 years of life? If you feel like you've sinned less after all these 60 years of, of walking with the Lord, he's like, oh no. He said, the closer I get to the Lord, the realize the, the more... I can be more like Him. So when you get into God's Word, it's not about, you know, okay, I read God's Word and I don't sin anymore. It's, it's you get into God's Word and all of a sudden God's Word starts bringing some things up of, of, of you, can, you can work on this. Here's some things I can do better in your life. Here's some things I can shape, heal, and restore in your life. Which brings me to a passage I want to start with. Uh, I, I think this is in a sermon series in the future, so... Um, uh, by the way, Ken Harrison, is he still in here? Ken, good to see you in red and black today. Um, God bless you. I uh, just want to throw that out there. <coughs> uh, so Ephesians, let's look real quick at Ephesians chapter 2, real quick as we start. And, and this is the premise uh, of everything that I want to talk about today. Ephesians chapter 2, he says this, And you were dead in your trespasses and sin. We can just stop right there and go home. The, the realization that, that, here's the fact, if you want to, I think you're all here because you want to have a great marriage. Or if you're single, you want to, you want to, um, you want to go out and, and find that, that spouse, that mate, who, and have a great marriage. Or, or if you're not in a good marriage, how can we fix it? Or, or if, you've, if you're here and you're single, you've, you've gone through a broken marriage, and, you're, and there's been a divorce, and, you're on, and you feel like you're all alone, you're like, Lord, what do I do now? With, with a start point, I tell you, it's the Lord Jesus Christ. But not just salvation. Not just saying, hey Lord, I accept you as my Savior, you're my Lord. It just starts there. And this passage just brings that to life. And that's kind of what I want to start. But you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working the sons of disobedience. Among them, uh, we too were formerly lived in lusts of our flesh, indulging desires uh, of flesh and, and of the mind, and by nature children of wrath, uh, even as the rest. We were like everybody else. But God, 
rich in his mercy because of his great love for she has loved us, even while we were dead in our transpassions of sin, made us alive together in Christ Jesus. So in the ages to come, we may be so surpassing riches of his grace and the likeness towards us in Jesus Christ. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Amen? And now yourselves the gift of God, now a result of works so that no one should boast. Here's where I want to key in. For we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. Which kind of goes back to that Jesus prayer. Do you understand that? The God created the universe. And it's, I, love, I love science and technology. I love space. Aubrey and I would like to watch all the NASA space. Anything we can find on Netflix about, about space, we'll watch it. Even some of the series that have come out lately, and just, it just kind of intrigues me. The vastness of the universe. But you know the vastness of the universe that God created. Guess what? Jesus didn't die for any of that. None of it. He died for you. Jesus didn't come here to, to make the universe right and run better, the sun never burn out. He came to have a relationship with you. So the premise of this whole idea is that, that can I have a good marriage? Yes. But it starts with our relationship with Jesus Christ. Which, which he, was, he was the one that didn't, he didn't say, who's, who's going to blink first? Who's going to forgive first? Who's going to say I'm sorry first? He just said, I got this. I'm going to go, go ahead and go in and I will make it right. I will set the stage right. I will make it right because I'm at work in their lives. Isn't it wonderful to see, I mean, praise band, you guys are amazing. Uh, I mean, let's just face it, anybody can stand up and talk. But not just anybody can stand up and sing and play. Uh, much, much less some of you younger people who are here, if you're standing, singing and playing, you, you bless this congregation. God bless you, I, I'm thankful for you. But, but this, this idea of when you see a, a true artisan, a true pe- per- person doing their work, it's just amazing. And, and all of heaven looks and sees you. And the Lord says, look at that. That's my workmanship. Hey, that, that's my best work right there. Look at him. Going through a tough time, but he's turning to the Lord, and, he, and he's, he's coming to me, and he's asking for help. Look at, look at her. She's doing all these amazing things, but something happened that that she didn't ask for, and all of a sudden she is turning to me and asking me, Lord, help me. That is, that is my greatest work. You are God's greatest work. And when I know that, when I know I've got the, the, the creator God, the God who, you, you look at these, man, go outside today. Go outside today. And look at the mountains and the ocean, and you realize that the, the being that created that, the God who created that, turns his focus on you. And for this series, we're saying he's turning his focus on our marriage. The point is this. You're not in this marriage alone. I, let, let me make you a promise. If it were up to me to have a great marriage, I would not have a great marriage. Angela and I will celebrate 30 years of marriage this summer, which is amazing, but not without the Lord. It's not because of anything other than the Lord has worked and continues to work in our lives. And He will work 
in your lives. We're recipients of this great grace and it can and should be motivate us to, to bless others. It, it's funny how we'll find a, a deal on socks at the PX and we'll call 10 people. Hey, do you know there's, there's a deal on socks at the PX? You might want to get some. You know, the ones that don't have the little label on the side which you can't wear for PT. Some that didn't have a label so you can wear for PT. Isn't it amazing? But, but God is doing a work in our life and we want to be able to tell it and have confidence in it and let him work in our marriage. Here we go. It says this. He says, um, should motivate us. Knowing that God, this creator of the universe, creator of these mountains you get to look at, is on your side. You are his workmanship. He wants to do a work in your life. He wants to do a work in your marriage. Knowing that should give us the confidence to step out. Hey, I applaud you. You knew we were going to talk about marriage today, and you came anyway. I'm serious about that. I'm, I'm excited when we do a marriage retreat and people actually show up. Because sometimes we're just like, I, I don't want to talk about that. I, I don't want to be about that. And, and, and the emphasis this week is, is not what you're doing wrong. It's about what is God doing that's right. It's not about, it's about acknowledging, hey, not every, there's not a single marriage. I can everybody stand up this marriage and say, okay, you know, you know, remain standing if your marriage is perfect. And guess what? Everybody sit down. You better be. Because we're flawed individuals. It's okay. But what's not okay is knowing that the creator of the universe, calling you his best work, you his workmanship, who wants to do a work in your life, and say, I, I don't need your help. And all I'm asking you to do today, as we talk about a few things, laugh a little bit, is say, Lord, yes, I want you to work in our marriage. Lord, give me the courage to be the one that, that speaks up and says, how can I do this better? How can I help you? And that's, we'll get to the bulletin insert in a minute, okay? Just hang on to that, all right? Don't, you know, don't, don't start any arguments in the, in the pew over the, over the bulletin, okay? Just hold on, all right? Here we go. He says this. John Trent and Gary Smalley wrote a book uh, called The Blessing. I actually have it on my shelf. Um, it was, and it's in some reference material we, we, we all are using for, in preparation for this series. He says, uh, gives five ways to express blessing to our families. You know, there's always a long line of people to discourage you. Where I don't have to, you know, I, I can throw a stone and hit ten people that says, you did this wrong, and you did that wrong, and you did this wrong, and you did that wrong. Whether you're in the military or not. But there's a short line of people who's willing to stand up, look somebody in the eye, and give them straight good guidance and encouragement. A short line. And all I'm asking you to do as a husband or a wife or a spouse is to be in the short line of encouragement. Be in the short line. All I'm going to ask you today is when you, when you leave chapel today is, is, is look at our praise band in the eye and shake their hand and say, thank you. Look at our volunteers and shake them in their hand and say, thank you, or fist bump, whatever you're comfortable with. Thank you. In, in the same attitude and, and grace towards your family members, and your spouse. He said, they give us five ways to express our blessings to our family. One is meaningful touch. Now, I remember we went to a marriage retreat <clears throat> uh, that I was partially leading, and, and you know, we talked for all these hours and do this stuff, and, and one of the questions that, that the marriage, that the uh, chaplain that was leading that service, that retreat said, he said, just a ask your spouse what they need from you. I'm like, huh. That's kind of like calling home on the way from work and say, do you need anything from the PX, right? 
Runny milk and any butter. Who knew there was 55 different flavors of butter out there? Like, which one do you want? Ask your spouse what, what they need from you. Ask your, ask your bride, ask your, your, your groom what they need from you. Like, uh, like okay. So uh, we go home and we have this, you know, we, we talk, 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 and then finally you get to talk to each other. And we got to talk to each other and I asked my bride, Angela, I said, what do you need from me? What do you need? You know, and I knew she wasn't going to ask for, you know, a Rolex or anything crazy. And I just like, well, what's going to come out? And she says, I just need you to, when you get home from work, just to come straight to me and give me a kiss and say, how was your day? I'm like, really? That's all you need? I can do that. But in my mind, I was used to coming home from work and, and you know, dodging three kids, chasing each other, stepping over a dog, you know, you know. Her, you know, scrambling to get dinner ready or whatever if I'm coming in the, and, and, and I was like, okay, I'm just going to slide by, take my uniform off, put my shorts and t-shirt and flip-flops on and chill and stay out of the way. But she wanted me to interrupt anything going on when I get home and give her a kiss and say, hey, how are you? How was your day? I'm like, that's easy. Meaningful touch. He says this, Spoken word. A meaningful word brings power in people's lives. I, I'm, I'm not a, um, by virtue of my age and just, just being indignant, I, I'm not big on, on um, social media. But I have daughters, and they're all, you know, you know high school, college, and, and, and one young married. And, and so I see all the Instagram. And, and sometimes, and I don't have anything wrong, wrong with, against Instagram or people, you know, they look at what I did and look at this picture and, but sometimes you run across someone on Instagram and they're talking about how great they are and how blessed they are and how wonderful they are and how empowered they are. And I don't have a problem with it, okay? So, so don't, you know, you can't really attack me on, on, on social media because I'm not really there. But anyway, but sometimes I, I watch those people and I'm thinking they are proclaiming for themselves things that others should be proclaiming into their lives. That they're asking for something and don't even know it. That they're asking for their husband or for their wife or for their girlfriend or for their boyfriend or for their coach or for their teacher or for their mom or for their dad to say, I see this in you and it is wonderful. But they're proclaiming it for themselves. They're putting a band-aid on a gaping wound. Spoken word. Expression of high value. Listen. It's okay to brag. It's okay to brag on your spouse. It's okay to say, hey, I want you to meet my wife. She's the greatest cook on the earth. Hey, I want to meet your husband. He's the greatest you know, soldier on the earth, or greatest cook on the earth, or he's the greatest gr he's the grill master. Hey, just step back and watch it happen. It's okay to brag. Expression of how value. No passive-aggressive comments. No passive-aggressive comments. Can I say it again? No compliment with a jab. It always breaks my heart when I hear somebody say, hey, you know, you're so associated with a good job, and they did this and this, but, but this. Give, hey, make this practice in your life. Give a compliment and then shut your mouth. Can I get amen? Give a compliment and then shut your mouth. Because when I see myself do that, it's found in insecurity of saying, I am not secure enough just to go ahead and give that person the credit. I'm not secure enough just to go ahead and just give that person the praise. 
just give the credit and step away. The next thing he says is, is verse, uh, not verse, is number four is picture a special future. Express your belief in your spouse and cheer them on. Hey, you, you guys are busy. You've got careers and you've got children and you've got this and you've got that. Be in that short line again. Cheer them on to what the, the, they're, they're striving to do. Why? Because you are not in this alone. Remember? You are his what? You are his workmanship. If your spouse is trying to get to a degree, if your spouse is trying to expand their, their knowledge, your, your spouse is trying to, to, to bring on another skill set, your spouse is trying to learn a language, trying to learn an instrument, cheer them on. Encourage them. This is what I know when I see it in, in vibrant, great marriages who are striving. Everybody in the world can give somebody a compliment. And I've seen it. I've seen, I've seen commanders stand up and, and give a speech, you know, you know, commander so-and-so, and, you know, you know, they put the medal on his chest and, you know, pound it hard, and it, which is all great. And he gives his closing speech, and, you know, I did this and I did that, and you guys are awesome, and la-di-da, I'm going to go be the next great whatever. And then he walks off the stage and he looks at his bride and he says, how did I do? Isn't that funny? Isn't that funny that, that you know, you'll have a 500 people, so you have, you know, an hour-long um, going-away speech or ceremony. So five to 600 man-hours expired and badges given, and he walks off the, off the stage and he says, to his bride, how do I do? Ladies and gentlemen, your words are the lifeblood to your spouse. And if God's going to speak into your spouse's life, he's going to speak through you. Because what? Not only are you their workmanship, so are they. So he says this. Uh, the, the fifth one, um, let's, let's stop for a second. If you are if you're in an abusive relationship, if you say, oh, I got it, you know, we're not doing that, we're not doing that, we're not doing that, but, but truly, we've got some things working, but if you're in an abusive relationship, you, you cannot get out of that by yourself. No, no one has called you to be physically abused. And nor am I. And I ask you to have the courage to seek help. If it's emotional and spiritual, you, you cannot get out of that spot by yourself. We discover things as we, as we grow in our marriage and, 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 and realize maybe some habits. This may be refer, uh, we're going to refer to this later. Maybe some habits of speech and talk that are not acceptable in your relationship. But you learned them somewhere else. And that's all we're talking about today. It's learning that, hey, that, that's not acceptable. That, that doesn't feel, that doesn't empower me. I don't think the Lord, me being his workmanship, the Lord would speak that into my life. We've got to fix how we communicate. We keep going. If I don't keep going, we'll be here all day. As we say, um, in, in number five, um, uh, have an active commitment to seeing the blessings come to pass. You hear that? If, if God is the creator, which he is, and if God is the workman, and you are his workmanship, be an active participant in God's work in their life. By committing them to the Lord, number one, and personally committing to spend time and energy to bless them. 
Praise the fuel for your marriage. That was all introduction. That was all free. Praise the fuel for your marriage. Song of Solomon 1, 9-14. Spoken words. He's giving spoken words that bless his bride. In this love story, now is this a love story between a man and a woman, or is this a love story between God and his church? The answer is yes. And Christ is our example of, of how, how he treats his bride, and, and the church is the example of how the bride responds uh, to the groom. So it says this. In spoken words that bless his bride. Number one, tell you, tell her how valuable she is. Or tell her, tell her how valuable she is. We, we got the love language, five love languages. I'm going to talk in depth about that, but understanding how to express that love to your bride. Maybe it is words of affirmation. Maybe it is a receiving gifts. Maybe it is act of service. Maybe it is quality time. Maybe it is physical touch. Number one, he says in verse 9. Now this is, this is some heady stuff, okay? So hang on. He says this. To me, my darling, you are like you are like my mare among the chariots of Pharaoh. Do you guys know what a mayor is? Some of you guys are from the city, and some of you guys are from the country. And but that but that 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 most beautiful horse in the in the whole pasture that is meant for for breeding. Bottom line. That's the breeding stock for that, that farm or that, that, that farmer or that, in this goes Pharaoh's army. So, you are my mayor. Now, ladies, how's that, how's that sound? <laughs> I went to church, my husband called me a horse. Okay. Um, you're my one and only. You're my one and only. What I'm asking you to do is become a student of your spouse. What am I asking you to do? How do you express that this, you are my one and only? I'm in the sea of people, the sea of men and women, you are my one and only. This idea of, uh, he says, my darling, you are like my mayor. You're the most attractive. You're the, you're the Mustang among Pintos. To make it where we can understand it and keep it in horse language, okay? In my case, you're, you're a 2022 Bronco fully decked out. She already has spoken her insecurities about her appearance. If you, look, if you read a few verses earlier. But for him, he was attractive. I've got three daughters. And again, I don't mean to sound this disrespectful to anybody at all. But I'm walking with my three daughters. And we're in, a, we're in a, a store somewhere. And there's a big mirror. You know, there's big mirrors in stores. We're especially buy clothes. And I notice my daughters, this may not be you, it's not a general statement for everybody, but my daughters either do one, one of two things. They either hide or they fix. You know, do something. Men, what do we typically do? We flex. Yeah, there it is. Got it. We live in a culture where we have our, our ladies so insecure in their appearance that the lifeblood for that insecurity fix for their appearance, men, is you. The lifeblood is, is, is you. Tell her her because she already said, I, I, this, I, I, looked, I think I look terrible in the previous verses if you want to read through it, but he's convinced. You're my mayor. You, you are the, the one, as, as 
which we have to keep you away from all the other horses in Pharaoh's army because you're, in my mind, you're distracting to everybody else. You're so beautiful. Again, this is in the courtship right into marriage, right before the actual marriage uh, ceremony uh, in, in the timeline, if I remember it correctly. He knows he has the power to put these insecurities by rest by the power of his words and actions. She is liberated from the chains of the past by the words and actions of her man. There is no one like you. See, life is hard, isn't it? We, we all didn't grow up in the cleaver. I, can, I think I'm a few older people in here. We don't, we, we, none of us grew up in the cleaver residence where everything was black and white and solved in 30 minutes. We don't. And as we discover things about ourselves and discover things about our spouse, men and women, you are the, the lifeblood. You are the person that God's going to speak through to kind of free some of that stuff up. To bring healing. To bring restoration. You may discover that there's been abuse in the past. Heartbreaking, heart-shattering. But how do you walk through it? How do you pull that person through that? How do you get help to, to pull that person? How do you give that person the confidence to walk in a way? I say it's through your words. There's other stuff we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about other stuff in the series. But, but, but the start point is how do we use our words? And, and then... Ken's going to talk about some, some of the physical attributes later. And then, and then uh, Dan's going to talk about some of the things that can, can rob and steal out of our marriage. Number two, or B, I will bless you no matter the cost. Well, number one, you're my one and only. Number two, I will bless you no matter the cost. We each look in a mirror and realize... In a marriage, we just look at our marriage when we realize we have some work to do. Verse 11, we will make. He's saying just as, as the mayor has all the adorning, you know, all the accoutrements on the mayor making, hey, this is Pharaoh's prime horse. I'm going to adorn you before our wedding and everybody's going to see how glorious you are. I'm going to put effort to people seeing that, you are, that they see you as I see you. That you see, that they see you as you are my priority. I love you. You are beautiful. We will make. How do we make gold and silver? How do we do that? Well, you can go buy some jewels. They've got them over there. Okay. But he says that uh, Matt, uh, Matt Carter, uh, a author, says this. Number one, tame your tongue. James chapter five has a lot to say about the tongue, doesn't it? Number two, talking away to your wife in the same way that you talk to very important people in your lives. Number three, bless them with your words. We have lost the art of blessing. Number four, uh, he says, uh, Matt Carter says, I will win my wife's heart so she will in turn want mine. I will win my wife's heart so she will in turn will want mine. Number five, be positive in my interactions with my wife because I am called, not called to critique her, I am called to love and accept her. I'll be positive in my interactions with my wife because I am not called to critique her, I'm called to love and accept her. All right, man, I'm going to stop on you. I'm going to give you a break. He goes into verse, he goes into verse, um, 11, or verse 12. 
Special words that strengthen her groom. She is brimming with praise. Uh, security from his words, and she responds. Her fear is gone. Her apprehension is gone. Proverbs 24, uh, 16, 24 says, uh, pleasant words are honeycomb and sweet taste to the, to the health of the body. Do you see trans- transition? She's gone from being insecure in how she looks and feels to all of a sudden she's brimming with absolute excitement and absolute um, confidence. After a few years of marriage, you may have to have discussion about the words you use. You may have to break bad habits, unhealthy lessons learned from, from your home of, of origin or from things you've seen in the past. We have to have that discussion. Hey, please don't call me that name. Hey, please don't use that word. Hey, please don't do this. There's a great book called Love and Respect. I won't go into that. That's a whole other two-hour session, right? But it basically says they survey um, men and women, and most of the men in this survey said they'd rather live in a world with no love but plenty of respect, and the women would rather live in a world with no respect but plenty of love. Think on that. Men desire respect, women re- desire love, and how it's expressed. I'll probably come back to that in a few weeks, all right? A said, you're the one I love. High value uh, perfume sent a message that she is withholding nothing from him, if you know what I mean. If you don't know what I said about it, I know what I mean. Dan Browsel said that last week. If you know what I mean. If you know what I mean. All right. Uh, verse 12, he says this. While the king is at his table, our perfume give forth its fragrance. She's saying, you are who I love. Because I'm no longer insecure, because I'm no longer broken, because I'm no longer ashamed of my appearance, because I know you have value me, there's nothing I'm withholding from you. Verse 13, you're, you're who I desire. She's enveloped in the aroma of his appreciation and desire for her. She is enveloped in the aroma of his appreciation and desire for her. Verse 13, you're who I desire. Verse 14, my beloved uh, to me is a cluster of hena and blossoms in the vineyard of Engedi. You're who I need. My beloved, you are the rare find in this desert of men, and you're exactly who I need. You know, I do um, premarital counseling. And I did it for my daughter just a few, over the past year. She was married in October. There's a question I asked both of them. I said, there's roughly 300 million people in America. If we divide that in half, there's 150 million men and there's 150 million women. Why her? Why him? Well, it's plenty of sle- I mean, it's, I mean it's, 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 more, it's, it's like going to the commissary and get butter. You've got plenty of selections. Just pick the one you want. Why them? And we lose, we lose that sight that you, just as a master craftsman will pull out the tool, sharpened, and ready to chip away some wood at a certain section to build a table. You are his masterpiece. And God placed that woman, that man, into your life as the instrument to be able to help 
refine that masterpiece. It reflects, again, reflects the divine glory of the artist. Of course, I'll look at this. I mean, if y'all only have seen the picture, the, the beautiful painting in the back of this chapel. You know, the first question I ask, it's not where it was, was it made. Man, who did that? It's the first question I ask. And we see a marriage that glorifies God and, and women and men who are just madly in love with one another. Or a man who's bragging on his wife or a woman who's bragging on her husband, I think, well, I'd like to meet that person. Who is that? Well, I said, marriage that glorifies God. I think, man, what is going on there? What is happening there? Uh, I'm going to wrap up here in a second. You're who I need. My beloved, you are the rare find in this desert of men and exactly what, what I need. Jesus, our Redeemer, has beautifully adorned his church and he speaks. You are my masterpiece. All that he made, vast expanse of the heavens and the mountains, Hawaii, but he died for you, for that's what he, so that we could have a relationship with, with him. Heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will never pass away. Matthew 24. Here's what we're asking you to do. We, we gave you a, a bulletin insert. And it's not either you are dumb or ignorant or can't think or can't, can't write. But just try something. One try how many times that you do actually give encouraging words to your spouse. You know, and, and again, I got mine's here, so I got to do it. Too. I mean, I can't really preach it and not do it. But if you look at this list, the you words are when we're speaking to someone, hey, you did a good job. If there's correction to be made, it's I. Did I get that right? So one of my preaching buddies helped me on this. I wanted you today. I missed you today. Was correction or talking about some action you're going to take? It needs to be taken. It's I. It's a compliment. It's you. So I'll ask you to do an experiment. Okay, this is the part of the marriage retreat. We're like, okay, here we go. But you can either listen to the sermon and say, okay, that was semi-sort of entertaining. Let's go to the beach. Or you can say, does this apply to us? How can we enrich our marriage? How, how, how can I show the world the handiwork of God by how we treat one another and how we walk in this life, how we glorify God and actually live our life this way? How can we, can we do just a little bit of an asthma check? So look at these. So I need you to be cryptic about it, okay? Don't say, okay, I love you. You're the most wonderful thing to me, you know. Sneak it in. Make, have fun with it. Slide it in and be like, oh, you've been looking at the list, huh? Uh-huh, okay. I got you. I'll get you next time. Make it a competition so you can win it. Be in it to win it. Slip it in like, oh, was, is that on the list? Nope, I added that one myself. Check me out. So take this list home. 37 things we should or say to our mate in order to bless, build, encourage, and wow them. See, here's what I'm saying this morning. I could have told you this. We could have just gone home about 30 minutes ago. If Ken's going to talk about you know, sex God's way, the right way, 
but it starts with your words. It starts today. It starts with how you set each other up for success. Let me pray with you. God, I thank you for this day and this time. And Lord, I pray that we'll have improved our marriage, not for our only on gain, but we improve our marriage because it glorifies you. Just in your prayer for us, Lord, that the world may know of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.